Hey, y'all. How's it going? My name's Isaac. Um, how many of y'all were here? I think it was like two weeks ago when I spoke. Okay. Um, yeah, with the chairs. Yeah. Um, so I honestly didn't even hit me that it was Palm Sunday until like Wednesday, right? I told Andrew and SB to have their baby last week. Um, and I was going to do like a follow-up to my message, and then they just, you know, they, they deliberately disobeyed me. Um, and so on Wednesday, Andrew goes, bro, I hope your Palm Sunday, I can't wait for your Palm Sunday message. And I was like, yeah, me, me, me too. Um, so this was birthed on like a two-hour window on Friday night. And it's honestly still coming together, right? I was literally like in the back worshiping and being like, okay, I should write some notes. So who knows where this is going to go, but I'm sure it's going to go somewhere great. Um, I'd like to shout out First, my new Bible. I got a new Bible. Um, it's, it's, it's really big. Um, it's my big boy Bible. And then I'd like to shout out uh, Anissa and Nick, man. Um, you know, my wife and I, we have a one-year-old. They're on the way. Um, and it's hard. It's really hard. First-time parents. Uh, sleep is different, everything. But I literally see y'all here early in the morning, setting up, you know, you're emailing me at almost midnight because I'm pretty late to, to give in my slides. Um, you know, it's, and, and just to be able to do that, that's incredible. I mean, just the way that you guys are just like laid down. I mean, it moves my heart, how much y'all are building this church. So I can only imagine, you know, what Jesus is going to trust you with, you know? So, um, so thank you too. Um, my wife and I are, Good friends with Andrew and SB. We were uh, on leadership at Breakthrough for a few years when it was planted. Um, we're still friends of the house. Um, so here we are, right? Uh, your pastors just had their second baby a few days ago. So membership just grew by one. So it's Palm Sunday. Who's ready for Palm Sunday? Let's go. All right, so the message today is called The Ones with the Palms. <clears throat> um, Marissa said something during pre-service prayer um, that, you know, like the Lord was telling her that, that this body is, is meant to be the ones that cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, and I truly believe that coming up with this message, you know, it's easy to, to just do a generic Palm Sunday message, right? If you've grown up in church, you've heard the stories, you've heard it all before. Um, but I really asked the Lord, what is for this body? Uh, and I really felt... Like what he was saying was, this body is going to be the ones with the palms, right? The ones that say, make way, the king is coming. Um, and I want to kind of spin it in a different direction, um, just because that's kind of what I do. Facts. Palm Sunday marks the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, right? It marks the very last week uh, of his life. And it's very interesting because not a lot of... Uh, of time is spent on Jesus's last week, right? We have all these verses in the Gospels about his, his childhood, his missions, uh, his ministry, and the very last week of his life, I think we kind of sometimes miss out on. But interestingly enough, the Gospels actually spend a lot of time talking about the last week of his life. Um, out of the 20 chapters in the book of John, uh, the last week, or Palm Sunday, actually comes in 12 out of 20 in John. And so almost half of John is about the last week of Jesus' life. In, uh, in Matthew, it comes in chapter 21 out of 28. 
And in Mark, it comes in, in chapter 11 out of 16. So much of the Gospels are talking about not just his ministry, but that his ministry is pointing to this, to this very moment, okay? And so here it is. Um, Jesus is starting the last week of his life by triumphantly entering into Jerusalem. Um, and so we're going to read Matthew 21, 1 to 11. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately, I heard, I heard my baby. Hi. The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, which this is from Zechariah, uh, written hundreds of years ago. Zechariah says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them. And he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. <coughs> And I want to give you a little context of what's happening. So Jesus has been doing his public ministry for almost three years now. And he's rubbed a lot of shoulders. He's rubbed some people the wrong way. And there's actually two parties here that I want us to have a distinction between, right? A lot of times we think that people are coming out of Jerusalem and putting palm trees and everyone is celebrating Jesus and, and everyone's going in and celebrating. Everyone's coming out and celebrating. There's actually two different parties and only one of those two parties are actually celebrating the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem. Um, in, the, in the very chapter before all this, in chapter 20, Jesus actually, while he's in Jericho, he foretells to his disciples that, hey, I'm about to go to Jerusalem I'm going to be, and, and, this, and he says, the Pharisees and the scribes are going to kill me. But don't worry, I'm going to be resurrected up in a few days. And so Jesus is actually setting the stage. And I wonder what it would have been like for them, because there's actually tons of prophecies how this was going to go down, that a king is going to come into Jerusalem and, and establish his temple, and he's going to uh, basically take charge for their people. And for them to hear, okay, we're going to do that now, but I'm going to die. They must have been like, What? And you can kind of see the, the, the dichotomy because some of them say they're kind of like on, the, on the, the misunderstanding that Jesus is going to come in like a warlord. And they say, okay, um, Jesus, but um, hey, when you establish this nation, can I sit beside you? And he tells them, yeah, but in this nation, unlike what you're thinking, the servants are at the top. And if you want to be first, you're going to have to be last. And so I'm sure all this way they're wrestling with this. And so they start that journey from Jericho, which is about 15 miles away from Jerusalem, and they start heading towards Jerusalem. And the conflict appears 
um, as Jesus had been preaching a very different message from the people that were in charge of the religion of that day. The people of Jerusalem, the people of the temples, the Pharisees, the scribes, they were all expecting a, a Messiah that would come and empower them right? They were all expecting a Messiah that would come in power to, to empower them, to solidify their power, and to basically uh, to set up their throne, not his. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, and he says things like, my kingdom is for the poor, or he says things like, it's better to be low than to be high, they started calling him a rebel, and you see them sending spies throughout his ministry to kind of indict him on being a rebel. They say, no, this isn't our Messiah. And if more people start listening to him, they're going to pick up this, this, this new theology that is about going low and not putting us high, right? And this is very important because they had, uh, the temple was a very exclusive place. It wasn't meant to be exclusive, but they had made it exclusive. And only the people around Jerusalem were the people that the Pharisees had considered worthy, and outside, you have the, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people that were not fit to be in this religious city. And so you have this difference between two different types of people, those in the city of God and those outside. But little do they know that, that this idea of a king riding a horse with his army to take over wasn't that they were going to take over Rome. It wasn't that they were going to take over you know, China or North Korea or, you know, or Russia, it was this idea that Jesus is coming with his army to take back his kingdom from the people that are trying to take it from him. And so, here we are, Jesus has done a lot of things, he's hinted at some things, but right before this chapter, in the very uh, chapter previous to this, chapter 20, something incredible happens in Matthew chapter 20, 29 to 33. So this is after he's left Jericho. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and two blind men were sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing. They cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, and they cried all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, Lord, we want our eyes to be open, move with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Now, it's easy to kind of breeze through this verse, but this, on the way to Jerusalem, this is actually the very first time that Jesus responds to the claim that he is the son of David. This is the very first time in Scripture that he doesn't actually uh, kind of deflect. This is the first time that he takes on that name. This is the first time when people are calling him Lord, he's actually accepting it and responding to it. And so on the way to Jerusalem is the very first time we see uh, him, him say yes and reveal to others, I am the son of David. The son of David is the Messiah, the chosen one, the savior of Israel. And this is the first time that he was, he's doing that and he's picking up steam. Because now his disciples know when we go there, there's going to be problems. Because... It's great to say that you're a minister. It's great to say that, that you're a religious leader. But when you say that you are the son of David and the Messiah, that's something different. Now there's a line between the sand. And this is actually why the, the, the words, you know, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who come in the names of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is why it's so important because this is the first time that it, it has been revealed to them that he is the son of David, the one that they're waiting on. 
Matthew 21, 1 to 5. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage of the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite to you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, uh, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Not only is he calling himself the Savior of Israel, the Son of David and the King, he's riding in on a donkey, not a horse. He's riding in in the name of peace. And I'm sure this would have rubbed even more shoulders because who is this king that's coming from the outside riding in on a donkey and her colt? And so the dichotomy here is that not everyone was crying out Hosanna. In fact, you know, we get this picture when you hear about Palm Sunday that everything was peaceful, like I said. You know, people outside and inside were like, oh, Jesus is coming. Actually, the people of Jerusalem were not excited for him to be there. The people of Jerusalem were actually not the ones with the palms. In fact, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, the very first things that happen is the leaders come out and they hear, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David, and they actually tell him, Jesus, make them stop crying that out. Right? When the gates are open and his, you know, his whole posse is coming in, his squad, right? And they're saying, Hosanna, Jesus, you know, the son of David. They actually come out and say, make them stop. Do you hear what they're saying? And this is where he famously says, if I make them stop, even the rocks will cry out. Jerusalem was not happy. The, they, they came out and say, make them stop. And the very first thing he does when he comes in there to even add more fuel to the flames is he goes straight to the temple and flips over some tables. He's like, I know you're not happy and I'm not happy with you. He flips their tables. And then the very first... Um, we see it in Mark, and the very, one of the very first parables he speaks when he's in the temple is the idea of the wedding feast. And he kind of separates the two parties, and he gives this parable about the, the wedding feast, and he says, you know, there was once a king whose son was getting married. He invited all the rulers and the leaders to come to his son's wedding, but they were off doing too, they were too busy, they were too important. They were too busy to recognize that this is a feast that they should have attended. And so Jesus says the ruler actually uninvites them and he actually goes out into the streets and he gets the poor, he gets the lowly, and he says, come to my feast. And so he's actually describing what's going on. He's saying, I invited y'all because y'all were supposed to be the ones that cried Hosanna. But because you separated you know, the high and the low and you started this dichotomy that I never started, I'm kicking you out and these are the people that I'm bringing in. It was not the people of Jerusalem that had the palms. So let's talk about the people with the palms. <clears throat> so Jesus says, go into Bethany and Beth Bethpage. Um, you know, you're going to find a donkey and a colt. And when people, which, when people inevitably start asking you, hey, why are you stealing my Honda Civic? <laughs> right? When they say, where are you going with this donkey? You tell them, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed, and they brought the donkey and the colt. 
Most of the crowds spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from trees. The, ca- the crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. This crowd didn't come from Jerusalem. This crowd came from Bethany and Bethpage. There's a four-mile difference. So Bethany and Bethpage, which is four miles away between Jericho and Jerusalem, is Bethany and Bethpage. This is the crowd that actually comes out and, and makes way for Jesus. This is the crowd that puts the palm trees on the ground, puts the palm leaves, that puts their, their coats on the ground for four miles. And it's just so interesting because I'm like, you know, it, it says that they put their cloaks on the ground. They must have ran out of cloaks. And they said, hey, let's get these palm trees. Let's get these leaves. We want to pave the way of the four-mile road between Bethany and Bethpage to Jerusalem. We're going to find whatever we can, and they came up with palm, palm leaves. And so you see this clash of two warring parties, the people that, people that Jesus has chosen, and then you see the religious ones high in their, in their temples. And so who were the people of Bethany and Bethpage? <clears throat> Bethany and Bethpage was actually the, uh, the, well, Bethany and Bethpage are two cities that live side by side. Bethany uh, was actually where Mary and Martha lived. This was where Mary, Martha, and their sibling Lazarus lived. So this is actually the city where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so Jesus strategically stops and gets a donkey and a colt in the city where people have seen his power and, and, and heads towards Jerusalem. And I want us to catch this dichotomy because the two warring parties are the people that think that they can recognize Jesus from temples, from religious cities, and the people that recognize Jesus because they've seen his power firsthand. The people with the palms are not the people from Jerusalem that that have studied and have tried to find the Messiah through Scripture um, because they tried and they failed. They couldn't recognize him. They're not... They were not the, uh, the Pharisees. They were not the, the scholars of Jerusalem. They weren't the priests and the scribes or the ones high and lofty in their seats of religious power. The people with the palms were the ones that saw Jesus' love firsthand. The ones who cry Hosanna are the ones who have encountered Jesus' goodness, who have seen him lay their life down for him. We getting that? And so, um, you know, this is a very short message. We're going to do communion after this. But I want us to understand that when we talk about Palm Sunday, there is a tension. There's a tension to say that Jesus is ours and not anyone else's. There's a temptation to say that, that if you meet this criteria, you too can say Hosanna. But Jesus goes out and he picks the low, he picks the poor, he picks the sick, he picks the needy, he picks the ones that have been cast out four miles out of Jerusalem. And then when he goes into Jerusalem, he even says, don't you know, he says, the prostitutes and the tax collectors will make into heaven even before you do. (laughs) He says that in the very next chapter to the religious leaders. This is the reason they killed him. It's not because um, they were just crazy or they were unbelievers. This is the reasons that the religious leaders told Rome to kill him on their behalf. It wasn't Rome. 
The reason is because they didn't want to accept the fact that Jesus chooses the low and not the high. That the people that say Hosanna, that take his attention, are the ones that have seen his goodness. And so that's my message today. If, if we are to be the people with the palms, we are, we're, it's, it's, it's good to study scripture. It's good to, to understand your religion, to be firm in your theology, right? I mean, I've studied graduate theology at Liberty. I've studied apologetics. But none of it means anything if we don't see his goodness. If we don't see his goodness, we have a tendency of saying, let's build up a wall right here. And we say, this wall is exclusive for those that look like me, for those that think like me. And the ones that are too low are cast outside my wall. I'm not going to get too deep in politics, but. <laughs> Give me peace. But there's something about the way of Jesus that is so different from ours. And if we are to look like him, if we are going to be the ones that cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, and not, and not tremble in fear when he actually comes because we realize that his theology is actually different than ours, we are going to have to be low too. We're going to have to leave our temples. We're going to have to leave our Jerusalems and realize that we don't establish that city he does. Because in the last days, it doesn't say that we establish Jerusalem for him. It says that we come in with him like the people of Bethany and Bethpage. And it says that he walks into his city and he establishes it. We are meant to be on the outside looking in. This is our great hope. The world doesn't need another Jerusalem. It needs more Bethany's. It needs more Bethpage's. It needs people that are building up cities and houses and, and, and houses of worship that say, we identify as people that have seen the power of God. That's it. And so I'm going to pray us out. And then we're going to do communion.